is one or two suggestions are made for theme for some exploration. After, after I'll speak about whatever the suggested topic is for a few minutes, five or six minutes or so, and then from that I'll ask a question and then anyone in the hall can just respond from what the response is. I'll uh, um, add or subtract from it <laughs> and then speak another two or three minutes and then again open it up again with another question and another response. And so this is the way that it flows and of course bearing in mind that when you are speaking please to speak as much from the way that you experience or the way that you see things or understand things so it's not a time for the quoting of any authorities past or present it's not useful nor really uh, relevant so we just keep how we see and experience and under understand <coughs> so if there are one or two suggestions please of a theme or a, a topic perhaps we can weave in a couple of them and just see where it leads through this this form of exploration together so something which is of uh, of course individual and uh, collective interest here and I'm just this little the area theme of judging critical analysis and the way that this kind of thought process actually is working in our lives and with any consideration of any area and any issue and obviously quite noticeably with this one is that there is value and there is limitations. So if we take critical analysis just in a very general way initially sometimes we perceive situations which are taking place either in our own lives or in the lives which are or forms which are taking place around us and through our perception we see the consequences of the activities and we say to ourselves in reflection in some critical uh, interpretation that this whatever we are giving criticism of requires from us a perception it requires from us thought it requires also the ability to discern through language through words as clearly as possible what we perceive but also in any criticism or critical analysis also there is the intention and some of the threads of our motivation in giving criticism. One hopes that in the context of that, whether it is spoken or whether it is written, it is a clear and direct contribution towards an understanding of circumstances. So criticism, if, if it has a purposefulness to it, then we might say that the fruit which we want is to understand something clearly. Sometimes, and particularly in Dharma circles, spiritual uh, circles, there has been criticism of spiritual circles, one which I uh, sympathize with very much, because it appears for some that criticism and negativity, criticism and being uh, negative that there is an um, inability 
to distinguish one from the other. And so some people, as it were, end up, through the unwillingness to be critical, end up with a kind of wishy-washy, uh, let's all be nice to each other living philosophy. And that, I think, uh, and deserves and actually needs criticism because <laughs> that niceness there is quite often a, a camouflage in a way. It's ob obscuring the ability to really focus our attention on something and to see what needs to be addressed and that may well need and require criticism. To some degree, in looking at particularly sometimes at, at our education, and I doubt whether it's that dissimilar here from uh, 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 the English uh, school system. And criti when criticism has had its limitation, one of the ways that it has shown itself in our conditioning and in our upbringing, that we have been taught, our minds have been trained to be critical. And we have been shown a painting, we have been shown poetry, we have been shown uh, essays from the past and the present, and then we've been told to write something or give a, a talk in the classroom on a critical analysis of this. And so often that kind of critical analysis in an exaggerated role in our life what it tends to do is take away appreciation. It's at the expense of appreciation because the criti critical analysis becomes an overriding influence. When our heart mind, in a way, is trained, is conditioned and disciplined in this way, then we start looking around and we keep seeing what's wrong. We're not able to distinguish and be clear about what requires criticism in our life. What's, what ways we can apply that with a view to understanding and what enables us to know the difference between that and what negativity is and what a negative judgmental mind is and the consequences both in the world around us and also to ourselves. So as I say with criticism, to look and to see what the value is, what ways it can be applied usefully to whatever we are related to or connected with or not connected with, and also what the limitations are. So if we could just explore that a little bit. And sometimes, of course, that is going towards ourselves or going to situations around in the larger or smaller scale. So who would like to make a, a comment, a contribution here on uh, what is the v value of criticism? And if there are any specific examples or illustrations in your life where you recognize the value of it, then please uh, contribute that as well. Yes, please. Yes. I've struggled with for 11 years. And this has to do with the meditation method. Probably the easiest time I have is when I go on retreat with you. Yes. But you go to many different teachers and you get different instructions. Yes. And you're told this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. You come to, at least I've come to a point where I finally said, Mm -hmm. But I've been in a hall with a hundred people where the teacher said, I can sense these people aren't doing it the right way. Um, <clears throat> and it, it, it's been very disconcerting. And yes. so I've constantly gone through the struggle about moral integrity, um, spiritual integrity. Mm -hmm. How should I meditate? I have a tendency to meditate the way that feels best. Yes. But constantly learning, like um, Henrietta gave me tremendous insight this 
-hmm. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful insight, which I'm going to be able to incorporate. Yes. But if I have, I can, be, I can understand at the beginning, mm -hmm. but I hear so many teachers saying, this is what you need to do. Even this week, someone talked about noting. And the teacher said, well, noting is really just simply putting on another layer. Mm -hmm. But I could hear the other teachers saying, well, noting is really just a pretty yeah. good thing to do. And that can get to the point where maybe it's your personality, like mine, it gets very confusing. Mm -hmm. I wonder, well, which, gee, what should I do? Do it my way or All do right. it the way the teacher says? Yep. Um, and right. that can cause a tremendous amount of turmoil, yeah. judgment, and maybe right. Right. So th there's a situation which can take place in the, the Dharma Hall here and in numerous other ones. We receive one or more different messages and sometimes they are not at all complimentary, like you say. Yeah. One, uh, one in the tradition there may be the constant outpouring of instructions and methods and a great deal of precision is uh, given and that is asked, asked for. Um, whether or not a teacher, as you said, can sense when somebody is doing it right or not, I'm, I'm not so sure. My immediate response was like your earlier one, bullshit. <laughs> And so, some, so generally speaking with, with this, if a person has uh, engaged in exploring meditation work, let us say, and there are different messages which are coming to you as, as to others, I think it's important here when you sense you have enough experience of both, two or three or whatever, to really look carefully at that, to see what is working, because the criteria is what works, and in seeing what works, then you make your decisions from that, and inform the teacher as well. Sometimes that isn't easy, because in a way, it's making a decision based on in, in fact, a criticism for oneself of one, or letting go or doing without, and the use and the accommodation of another. And those decisions must be made, otherwise one is in confusion. I do say to people who are say, coming to a retreat, say, for example, may come to sit with uh, ourselves, that uh, do please give it some time and opportunity. You know, a person may say, oh, this isn't working for me. This method, it, it's not, the instructions are not precise enough. It's too open, it's too this, it's too that. And, and the person is forming uh, uh, an opinion and then using memory. Another retreat with a teacher who gives more precise, detailed instruction and dismissing what is taking place here yet he or she may not have had the experience enough to really see if there is some value. So in that respect, only you can truly decide and must take that decision because it's your life. What's useful, what's working, and you do feel and appreciate with yourself. You've explored and from in as far away as you can, and then you make your decisions from, from that. And I think the willingness to be critical, and therefore we may express our opinions, you know, whatever, in this case, noting or whatever, but this ought not to be the criteria. Criteria is your, ex is your experience. Please. Yes. Mm. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, it's a form of intervention that's very grandiose. And then again, there's criticism that's moved to many 
Yes. Right, right. And firstly, of course, critics, the professional critics, have an immense degree uh, in the arts as a common example of what is of artistic merit and value, what is worthwhile uh, attending to. And, and as we know, in particular, so we take as an example, theatre as a that a show's survival can often depend upon what appears in uh, the pages of influential newspapers can determine the continuity of something and people's arts and their creativity and uh, months and months of practice and training and preparation can be just wiped, knocked out because of the power of criticism it seems to me there ought to be um, uh, the pages of newspapers of the, uh, of the critics uh, of public health warning about uh, the influence that these people whose, where we have transferred so much authority to those uh, various views and opinions. So I think looking at our relationship to criticism, what's taking place? When one looks at a situation, there is criticism of it, and yet the mind is feeling charged with negativity, or charged with confusion or reaction to that. And sometimes, like as you mentioned with yourself, uh, Elliot, sometimes situation where one just has to get out of it. Is it the, is it the critical analysis itself, is that actually a really troubling kind of thought, a troubling perception, or is it something about our relationship to critical analysis which uh, can be disturbing? Yes, please. Sometimes, an important point, and in different ways of expressing this, sometimes when we are critical of others who are around in situations which we find ourselves, we might highlight some particular work or task which they have done or haven't done. And the criticism goes there, but actually that isn't really what the criticism is, is about. It's something else which is operating and sometimes we are using criticism of others, not because it's coming from any balance or steadiness in our, in our life, but as you point out, it's being used to define ourselves. And so criticism easily has this tone underlying of wishing to put others down in some way or other in order to boost our ego 
And that really is the motive and intention. And we refuse often to acknowledge that's what's going on, and we put it in the name of criticism. And as I just pointed out, very big careers are built up on criticism. It's the, it's the, it's the self-defining and expanding itself. So what, what does that mean that in, when we are critical, either towards ourselves, remember, or towards situations or, or others, what are some of the factors in that that we can be watchful for? Since criticism has, I do believe, a, a very valid and useful function, but without using it to define self. Yes, please. watchful for in criticism um, is I've had the experience many times of, of resenting people, of being critical of a mm -hmm. person or an institution yes. only to find out that what I'm criticizing them for is something that I can't accept about myself. Uh, yes, yes. I, it's easier for me to see that when I see other people doing it. Because you know, right. I see it all around me. So yes. that's something that, that tends to, to stop me from being critical mm -hmm. because I, it takes me a while. I'm never sure. It takes me mm -hmm. a while to sense yes. whether I'm just projecting something that I can't accept. Uh, so the, again, with the, the feeling life here, the, the emotional life, sometimes we are resentful and negative towards another person. Sometimes, and not always, but very often, of course, it's a reflection of something that we are skipping over with regard to ourselves, and it's easier, and somehow we feel better about seeing it elsewhere. And what, what could anyone give, uh, uh, shall we say, a working definition or whatever, between criticism, which isn't carrying this resentment, hostility, the need to put down. What is criticism in a rather pure, clear form towards an understanding of a situation and, as you were describing, what is a reaction born of some negativity and the wish to put down, but it comes out in the language of criticism? What's, what, does anyone perhaps give a distinguish, it's not an easy question, but to distinguish one from the other? I wish I'd given this talk maybe a few days ago because I <laughs> had a strong reaction to your talk a few nights ago and wrote Henrietta a, a, a letter about some of my reactions. Oh, yes, talk. yes. Mm. She showed me. <laughs> <laughs> Clarification of some truth right. for other people as right. well. So here, here take this a very good and specific ex example. That I I give a talk that was the heart of the matter, wasn't it? Was that the one? Yeah. And I also had notes from other people about it as well. And uh, in that talk, I spoke. I touched on feelings. I said something along the theme that uh, truth can't be confined to the heart. And I spoke about family in, an, in another sense there. And, of course, there is the possibility of it being misunderstood. 
There is the possibility, of course, that I didn't express myself very well. There is the possibility that it's um, just simply um, some views, views and, uh, and opinions with no merit to it, etc., etc. When you were listening, there were just two things that come to mind. The first one, why did the note go to Henrietta? And, <laughs> I know you did. Oh, I see. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that, that, would be, that would be the risk. That in writing the note to me that, and my receiving it directly, that could possi possibly, say, provoke a re reaction. Isn't it worth taking the risk? Isn't it just a kind of sideways sort of avenue? What do you think? Yes, except that I, I guess I was afraid of um, losing you in some way. Yes. No such luck. The other is in the, in, the, in, in, in the listening, and the criticism quite appropriate, and there are very good points that you mentioned in what you wrote. Do you, do you think in one of the uh, intentions or concerns you had about being misunderstood, was that expanded beyond yourself? In other words, when you, when you listen, you thought, well, this could produce some misunderstanding or, or whatever, and therefore you were kind of protective of the of others who are here. Yes. I mean, I'm not the kind of person who's gotten into this through the heart so much or the no. way that maybe that other people might. Yes. So but I was concerned that other people might hear right. it and feel... Mm. And the situation, of course, there's a concern and a empathy, and it shows a, a caring uh, concern for other people. Therefore, in the listening that takes place, and let's say whatever the clarity or the unclarity of what was communicated by me could be taking place, in your listening... Do you think it is useful to feel protective towards others in the listening? Is that something which is useful, or is that something which um, might obscure the listening? It's a very open question. It's, it's a very good question. It's one that I, I struggle with, certainly, as a, as a therapist, that I feel, what is the difference between compassion and yeah. my need to take care of people? And I want to say that when I've heard people, a couple of people crying very... Yes. listening and the fullness of listening, uh, which has been said, of course, uh, several times during the, during the retreat, to really look at our inner responses. Those inner responses may include in that the feeling of wishing to protect. Sometimes that feeling can, can obscure, not always, but can ob obscure. And therefore, 
if we take the risk, that means we're not going to try to protect everybody or a number of people. It's a kind of, the risk is that they will listen and understand or misunderstand in their own way. I think the feedback aspect of this is very important. You're, as you point out, you're to be aware of the, no, the motives which take place, to give the concern or the criticism, and I would encourage, again, further risk, to do it as much to the source as possible. Where the source is, in this case the source was Christopher, where the source is to go directly. The risk is you get a reaction, you get rejected, you get undermined in some way or other. But there's the more, I think, more possibility in, with criticism of it having some impact when it goes directly. And I think to our listening and our responding, and there are many, many situations, we just use this one for itself, uh, which carry on like this in our day-to-day -day life, of course. Yeah. What, is, what is the differences, what is the place of criticism, and what is a criticism as distinguished from just a reaction, what is the mixture of both, and it's still a question here. Please. I'm sorry that we lost the, the analysis part of the critical analysis. Yes. Because I think that's very important. Yes, okay. Um, I think one thing that is also important is establishing standards. Yes. In teaching students, I get many reactions when they first see strange works of art. Yes. Um, and my attitude is that you judge the thing insofar as you can in terms of what you understand to be its intentions or the artist's intentions. Yes, lovely. Right. Um, negative criticism, I think, is important. I'm famous among my students for not liking Renoir. And I read in Renoir, and I rip Renoir to shreds later in the year to show them negativity and criticism. By that time, one hopes they've gotten some understanding of what my standards are, yes. what I consider good, what I consider bad. And of course, I think another important thing is to know who the critic is. I mean, I'm sorry Pauline Kale left The New Yorker because whenever she ripped up a movie, I knew I was going to like it. Having your standards clear, knowing who is talking, and your advice about the health warning, this is my opinion, you're mm. free to yes. your own. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. right, right. So, uh, again, with, with criticism, when we see it, or hear it, either towards ourselves or to that which we are interested in, then that awareness of that criticism must uh, include some of the intent, awareness of some of the, what one suspects are some of the intentions which are there, and the way the intentions influence the criticism and to begin to distinguish the difference. Sometimes we are on the receiving end of criticism. It may be, in some cases, charged with reactivity and condemnation and negativity, and that is influencing. Yet, if there's enough, shall we say, awareness and clarity of that, at times we might be able to pick up, in spite of our own reactivity, pick up some essential point which the person is trying to make. And sometimes with criticism, particularly if it's got negativity and charge to it, it's extremely hard to, uh, for us to hear what's actually being said to us because the content is obscured by the reactivity. And then when we are judgmental and critical, we want somebody to understand what we're saying, but they can't because all they hear is the feeling tone. All they, get is the, all they feel is the negativity and, then, and it doesn't work for us and it doesn't work for the other person. So the capacity to listen to when we are under some range, some force of critical and, and, and negativity going together, what's the essential point in all of this? And to see if we can touch on that without being overwhelmed with uh, the oppressive nature of the, of the negativity. Yes, please. I read something from you recently that comes up that 
there cannot be two clients in one situation. Mm-hmm. So, in order to hear what you're saying to me, yes. when there's a tremendous amount of charge, and I possibly have equal charge, yes. I could also come and be client. In order to truly hear you, I have to be able to put that part of myself aside mm-hmm. yes. and open to the listening, yep. which is asking a lot. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 And, but when I'm able to do that, then I can more clearly hear mm. your intention and your message. Yep. And I can pick up that other piece of myself later. Yes. I can bring it up into bear and say, well, here's mm. what I think. Yes. All right. And in some cases, of course, when criticism coming and it has the, the underlying uh, charge and reactivity going with it, sometimes it can be almost simultaneous, particularly if we're tired, particularly if we're vulnerable, particularly if there's some uh, things are a bit close to the surface. And somebody can just say something which is hostile or agitated or just critical with, with, with no um, negative component, just wishing to point something out. And it's a, but it's a criticism. Immediately sometimes there's a moment of complete reactivity. So then we often wish to reject that from which the criticism is coming from very quickly and to move and we tend to do two things in the responses. One is either to attack. We take it as an attack, so we attack back. We can't deal with what's coming. We respond in like, we attack back. We talk about me, what about you? That kind of scenario. And, and, the, other, and the other one is to withdraw. And sometimes we're vulnerable, susceptible to both. Either to attacking or, or to withdrawing. Both may occur in the tension or in the heat of the moment. And unfortunately, all too often, we want to move on, because it's painful and difficult, from that situation as quickly as possible. And, and that's, I think it can prevent us from the opportunity to reflect back on that when we do feel more space inside, when we do feel a bit more clear about the situation, and say, okay, in that moment, Still, was there something to be learned there? Was there something in that feedback, no matter how badly expressed, that I can uh, sense and see and learn from? Is there something in my reaction to that situation and what I put out, which I also can? So that at least at some point, hopefully, as you pointed out, in the presence of it, that it can occur, there's enough space. But if not, let's not, use the op- let's not neglect the opportunity to make these experiences something for insight, no matter how difficult at the time. Please, yes. Reject and, um, and withdraw. Yes. When I'm engaged in trying to give somebody critical feedback, mm. what has been happening to me over this last year, maybe because of this wishy-washy spiritual energy that I'm giving up, <laughs> I find the per- per- people I'm trying to work with just ignore it. They don't hear it. Because mm. I'm trying to give it forth mm. in a way that does not destroy, yes. it's not heard. And then what I found myself in two very specific circumstances is that I needed to escalate and, and charge it with the negativity yeah. for it to register. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm caught in this dilemma of, as the giver of critical feedback, how can it be given in a way that it's heard and has an impact but doesn't destroy? Yes, right, right. And and, uh, as uh, as you say, sometimes in the communications which we are making to another person, if we come across in a particular way, it doesn't really register at all, and the person simply is showing no response. If we come across too forcefully, the person may have already been subject to years and years of forceful criticism, and the person only contracts even further, and there's even a bigger distance there. And 
course it takes awareness and skills and a lot of exploration. But I do think some, in certain situations it is quite necessary and quite appropriate to use uh, criticism in a way which is very clear and very direct, provided that it's not exaggerated. Negativity, I think, inflates the language. When we, get, when we charge up negative, it's very difficult to speak with any precision. And I, and I think there's a difference between speaking very forcefully, very, very directly, very uh, bluntly, if one has some trust that something can emerge from it. And I think that forcefulness is not actually negativity. I think ne negativity tends to have other motives accompanying it. And it's different from being a, a, a forceful in appropriate occasions. Yes, please. Sorry. Yes. I, um, just thinking about this, you know, when you talk about criticism, and in your case, saying I have certain standards and I want my students to know what is good yes. and what is bad, and, and then we talk about the critics in the, you know, in the influential newspapers mm -hmm. whose standards are not so um, uh, um, uh, able to be disagreed with. So we mm. I um, I spend a lot of time in sort of conflict resolution work, which is teaches me a lot about my own inner conflicts and yeah. uh, find that the, the struggles always are about the underlying standards people are using for what's right, what's fair. Yes. And we don't get at what e each person's standards are because that's a harder question. Mm. Um, if you, I mean, yes, yeah. if you're judging a tomato, it's pretty easy for us all to have a pretty common standard on what's a good tomato and what's a bad tomato mm. if, if we're talking about you know, many, many other yes, standards. People say, I think this is right and that's right. And to get at what's below that takes some greater right. sort of reaching into the roots of people's beliefs about what's fair, what's right. Yes. And that brings up stuff that tangles people into a right. clear how yep. to be with myself, be with yeah. you and all this. Yeah. So if from this of listening, as you say there, includes the, the content of what the person is saying, it includes the feelings, it includes the, the beliefs which take place, and how they fit in to what is also happening, uh, happening around. So that somewhere in all of this we can be wise, that understanding can come, and that understanding has some embracing quality to it, some accommodating principle with it. And therefore, can there be the differences there to be acknowledged, but in Dharma uh, speaking and Dharma awareness or perception, differences are to be acknowledged, appreciated and recognized. It, when it lends itself to suffering, the differences have gone too far. It's not the differences per se in experience, in perceptions, in relating to life. It's the differences which have exaggerated to the point that it's contributing to suffering. And, and th this, in our interfacing with each other, is where the suffering is the kernel of, of exaggeration. Yes, please. Sorry. What Peter says about Paul says more about Peter than it does about uh, Paul. <laughs> 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 what's elegant about that is he doesn't say, it doesn't, he's not saying anything about Paul. Yes. It's just that he's saying more about himself than yes. about the other person. That mm -hmm. helps me when I'm trying to receive some charge from someone else. Mm -hmm. But it also helps me to apply that to myself. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes where I get stuck to. Even my deepest belief is just my deepest belief. Yes. And is relative. Yes. And is not absolutely or inherently correct anywhere yes. other than in my, in my belief system. Yes. Yeah. So somehow applying the, the practice in that way, uh, the emptiness of one's own belief system, as yeah. well as beautiful. get behind that belief system, but not in an ultimate way. Yes, yes. Yeah, beautiful. Yes, so in the, as, as you say, as we express ourselves, 
and express our beliefs, and our beliefs may run very, very deeply with us, and wisdom and understanding of our uh, beliefs such that there's no wish in what we believe to contribute to suffering anywhere, and also in the relationship of belief to that there is a, the freedom which sees our belief at work interfacing, interplaying with other beliefs in a way which it's this is an expression of something, this is a belief about something, this is a way of interpreting something and can there be that wisdom in there, that understanding in its very expression, what in Dharma language is called the, 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 a non-self wisdom uh, uh, a non-ego wisdom that as we express ourselves that expression is understood to be an expression and as we listen to another we understand that expression is understood to be an expression and, and, and to see what that relationship is like can the differences be there without the differences generating the suffering just a couple more, yes, sorry, yes. Oh. Can I take the person, because, yes, please, sorry. Yes, please. Um, I don't know why I mentioned it. Listening to all this, I remember um, the element of time. Mm -hmm. And um, I know for myself, when um, I'm involved in a situation with this charge, mm. um, when I'm remembering the element of time and timing, I feel like I can handle it better. I have a sense maybe that um, uh, of my own inner time, mm. that if I'm receiving some charge from somebody, is this the time that I can respond well? Yes. Just sort of tuning in, like, am I really able to open the way I need to? Am I really able to hear the way I need to? And being able then to say, you know, I can't do this right now. I hear you, mm. but can we, can we can we put this on hold and agree on a time when we can deal with this? Or, or even yeah. sensing a time out, you know? Yep. Um, so sometimes, of course, there is some choice in the matter. And uh, the Buddha said for communication, there are four significant considerations. Right person, right time, right place, and the right theme, right subject, whatever. And this consideration of, the, of these four, that sometimes we do have the opportunity to say, if there's we know there's going to be some heat, well, perhaps it could be later. You know, one doesn't wish to start some intense discussion at midnight tomorrow night with one's partner <laughs> or mother or somebody as one arrives home late and say, well, you've got, one's got all this energy just as they're crawling into bed and say, well, we've got things to discuss. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and they may not be ready for one's you know, enlightened realizations about where they're at. And, and <laughs> so again, the consideration, those considerations. But in some situations, we don't have that privilege. But sometimes we are faced with a person or, or persons who is no, doesn't have that kind of consideration because the criticism is impacting simultaneously with anger, rage, resentment, the desire for revenge and all other, all other kinds of motives are going on. And then the metal gets genuinely tested in the fire. And life isn't always that kind to us. It doesn't always provide us with that opportunity to choose the timing when we're ready to receive somebody else's rage, somebody else's aversion towards us. And, and I think there's lots of situations where, where the potency of equanimity, the, the capacity of what it is to be here and now, what it is to stay steady in the face of something, those situations are very, very important. And the more refined and subtle and less threatening ones, might, we might say, are all part of the spiritual practice and the spiritual uh, discipline. And it's not, they're not easy things to stay steady when there is heat. And I 
reminded of the story which has uh, done, done the rounds for centuries in, in the, the Buddhist world of the, the ruthless general of Korea who in centuries and centuries ago traveled around Korea causing a bloodbath <coughs> everywhere, killing people left, right and center. He entered into uh, the monastery and went up to the head monk of the monastery and he raised his sword above the head of the uh, head monk and he said to the head monk, he said to him, I am the uh, person who can cut you in half from head to toes without blinking an eyelid. And the monk looked him straight in the eye and he said, I am the person who can be cut from head to toes without blinking an eyelid. <laughs> and it's something of that kind of... Uh, not everybody may be at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes sta standing steady there and watching the sensations which are taking place when there is some uh, threat to one's existence and seeing what is the appropriate action there. I would say for a moment just standing still and uh, in a state of acceptance would be the appropriate action. I'm not putting that out. But standing steady in situations which are difficult and just to feel, we can feel the heat of that situation and be as clear and as steady in it as we can. Because life presents those to us in different ways and of course and they come to us sometimes very unexpectedly where any warning and therein we, our metal is, is tested and to see what that is, and particularly what we can learn from it. And in this way we pay res great respect, of course, to ourselves, and we pay great respect to the capacity of the human spirit to actually transcend its circumstances. And there are remarkable men and women on the earth who really know what it means to transcend their circumstances in the face of the most difficult situations, the like of which many of us may not have to face. Thank you very much for the sharing. Let's have a couple of quiet minutes, shall we please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.